The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. My prayer is that you will be strengthened by these readings. The insight in which Mr. Rushduni had is significant, not only then, but in today's day as well. But in no way should it replace your own studies in the Scriptures. And I do pray that you will take what you learn and apply it to every area of your life and thought. The Definition of Insanity, Calcedon Position Paper, number 65. The question of insanity has not greatly troubled most people in our time. Many accept the usual psychiatric definitions with their pseudoscientific terminology. These have been ably attacked by another psychiatrist, Dr. Thomas Cezaz, who sees insanity as a game people play to evade responsibilities. Except where a physical problem exists, in example, senility or paresis, insanity is seen by Dr. Cezaz as a creation of medical and psychoanalytic practitioners rather than as an actual mental disease. Early in the history of psychiatry, the prevalent, quote, disease, unquote, was hysteria and hysteria became commonplace. When it was debunked, it quickly disappeared as a social problem. The fact remains, as someone observed recently, there seemed to be many insane people running loose, and not in Washington only. What is the matter with them? Treating such people is a growth industry, and our medical schools are training many psychiatric practitioners. The theories about insanity are, quote, mental illness, unquote, produced by these practitioners, are having a major influence on our courts and legislators and are subverting criminal law, among many other things. As a result, it is necessary to think seriously about the matter. If crime is a product of mental illness, for example, the criminal is then seen as the victim, not the victimizer, 
If alcoholism is a mental illness, then the drunk driver who kills someone is not charged with murder. But the bartender or host is treated as legally liable to pay large sums in compensation to the dead person's family. The biblical doctrine of responsibility, quote, the soul that sinneth, it shall die, unquote, Ezekiel 18.4, is replaced with an environmental premise. We must therefore insist that insanity is an evasion of responsibility. Even more, it is a flight from reality. It must follow, moreover, that since God is the absolute reality by whom all things were made, to deny the triune God is irrational and a departure from reality. Atheism is thus insane, and atheists do not think realistically because they think without God. If the Bible is true, then to deny it and to try to think and live without God is insane. To have schools without Christ, politics without the Lord, or anything without the Creator is to forsake reality and to court suicide. This must be the foundation of our thinking, but we dare not take status steps in dealing with the problem. This has been done, and the courts regularly confine people as, quote, insane, unquote. In the early years of the Republic, Warren Chase tells us that a Bostonian was sentenced to 60 days in prison, quote, for publishing in his own paper that he did not believe in their orthodox God, unquote. Warren Chase, The Lifeline of the Lone One, page 23, 1881. In 1873, Mrs. E.P.W. Packard wrote a two-volume account on imprisonment and asylums for expressing disbelief in certain doctrines of the church, modern persecutions, or insane asylums unveiled. What these and other like actions revealed was a confusion of issues and of truth and error. For these people who can find others as mad because of their unbelief, conversion had given way to coercion. Instead of relying on the Holy Spirit and the Bible, they relied on their own humanistic coercive power. The faith was harmed rather than served thereby. They were right in seeing unbelief and atheism as a departure from reality. They were very dangerously wrong in seeing coercion rather than conversion as the solution. The Christian has this remarkable recourse. What man cannot do, God can do. In example, change the heart and nature of men. Coercion is dangerous because at best it brings an outward conformity without an inward change. It produces Phariseeism, not Christianity, and the consequences are evil. Humanism does not believe in supernatural regeneration. It must therefore place its hopes on education and coercion. Its doctrine of education soon becomes a form of coercion with status controls and regulations. Horace Mann and his successors to the contrary state control of education has not created the hoped-for humanistic millennium, the great community, but rather a decaying and collapsing social order. As a result, humanism's hope for change is now predominantly in status coercion. A key part of this coercion in the Soviet Union is psychiatry. 
Mental sickness is now defined as social deviation from the Marxist regime. Because Marxism is defined as the salvation of man, anyone who opposes the Marxist power is thereby seen as an enemy of man and is mentally sick. In the Soviet Union, such people are committed to prison-like hospitals. Their minds are broken down with powerful drugs to make them recant. One Soviet banner in a prison read, quote, In a socialist state, there can be no social basis for infringement of the law. Unquote. The dissidents are therefore sociopaths by definition. They have taken their leave of their senses and do not comprehend reality. Psychiatrists treat anti-state activity as insanity. It must be recognized, however, that any and every humanistic society will move in the same direction as the Soviet Union because it holds to the same religion, humanism. Here in the United States, one mother, whose husband was a scientist, was called to a state school for consultation. Her son, she was told over the phone, was manifesting, quote, deviant behavior, unquote. This statement left her in a state of shock. She went over every kind of, quote, deviant behavior, unquote, she could think of. She was sure her boy was not guilty on all scores. But then, why was she called to school unless something gross and serious occurred? Arriving at school, sick at heart, she learned that her son's, quote, problem, unquote, and, quote, deviant behavior, unquote, was an absorption in books when other children were playing. In anger and shock, she called attention to the fact that her husband was a scientist, that she had done some graduate work, and that they were surrounded by books. Professors and scholars were commonly guests in their home. Her son's absorption with reading was a natural outcome of his family life. He was a happy child, doing what his aptitudes led him to do. The counselor and teacher were unmoved. For them, social integration was all important. The boy showed no hostility to any race or group and, in fact, came from a family open to a variety of peoples. This meant nothing to the status staff members. The boy's behavior was deviant, and for them, social integration was basic to, quote, education, unquote. Unusual? Not at all. In public discussions as well as in court trials, the point made over and over again by the enemies of the Christian or the homeschool is that the child may do well academically, or even better, but that the child in non-state schools is, quote, deprived, unquote, of the social integration necessary for his or her development. The unspoken thesis is that the child who is not in touch with the state, school staff, and children is not being prepared to face, quote, the real world, unquote. This argument I heard today in a telephone conversation, and it came from a supposedly Christian woman. For all such people, reality, the basic reality we are all supposed to keep in touch with, is the world of anti-Christianity, of humanism, and immoralism. We are not supposed to, quote, deprive, unquote, our children of their time in the sewer. If God is the key to all reality, then any education or living apart from him is madness. It is education for disaster and for suicide. If God be God, 
To act as though he does not exist is death. It means that any godless education, politics, economics, science, entertainment, or anything else is out of touch with reality. It is not poetry when the psalmist declares, quote, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain, unquote. Psalms 127.1 We are plainly told that it is futile to plan any national defense if our lives are not grounded in triune God and His law word. The word we have used repeatedly is insanity, a word which, while in popular use, is decried by sociologists and anthropologists. The term they prefer is, quote, mental disease, unquote, according to the Dictionary of Sociology. Quote, the term insanity is gradually giving place to mental disease, the latter term being more accurate and less socially derogatory and humiliating, unquote. In the definition of, quote, mental disorder, unquote, we are told, quote, whether or not certain mental phenomena are to be considered normal and are therefore not further complicated by social stigma and maladjustment is largely a matter of definition of situation in terms of the current culture, unquote. In other words, the current culture defines what is a mental disease or a mental disorder. This is a definition from an American work. It is in substance the same as the Soviet Union's definition of insanity. The difference is not in definition, but in application. In the Soviet Union, dissidents are taken to prison hospitals and treated as mentally sick. This is not yet routine in the United States. Instead, dissidents are treated as, quote, extremists, unquote, who represent, quote, the lunatic fringe, unquote, of American life. It is clear, thus, that the definition of insanity is not a trifling or academic matter. It is a matter of life and death. Jesus Christ, who is most in total harmony with God the Father, and thus with reality, manifested his triumph over the tempter and the fall, when he declared, quote, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, unquote. Matthew 4, 4. The more we live in Christ and by God's every word, the more we live in terms of reality, with sanity and wisdom as well as grace. The fall was an act of sin and as such insanity also. Man, the creature, decided to be his own God in law, determining good and evil for himself and being his own lawmaker. Genesis 3, 5 For man to declare his independence from God and to place himself on the same level as God was and is insanity and sin. It was and is the supreme act of irresponsibility ever since the world has been under the sway of sin and death. The remedy for this insanity of sin is not coercion, but conversion. Humanism creates a coercive state because it denies supernatural regeneration in favor of status power and control as the remedy for man's disorder. The Christian must oppose the coercive state and stress the necessity for regeneration as man's sole hope of salvation and sanity. August 1985 Catholicity 
Chalcedon Position Paper Number 66. In the earliest forerunners of the Apostles' Creed, we find the confession, quote, I believe in the Holy Church, unquote. In its final form, this became, quote, the Holy Catholic Church, unquote. The word, quote, Catholic, unquote, comes from two Greek words, kata, concerning, and holos, whole, meaning universal. This Catholicity, universality, or all-inclusiveness of the kingdom of God was declared by Paul in Galatians 3, 28. Quote, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Unquote. Status before the Lord does not depend upon status before men. Salvation is for all peoples. The distinctions which remain are thus those required by God's law word, not those created by men. This was the practice of the early church. An interesting example was Callistus, who became bishop of Rome in 220. Some years earlier, Callistus, then a pagan slave, had been imprisoned for theft. As Pope, Callistus I allowed the marriage of patrician girls to freed men, something forbidden by Roman law. We do not know whether or not this contributed to Callistus's martyrdom. What we do know is that more than a few men of low estate like Callistus, governed over Christians with an aristocratic status. What counted in the church was a person's status before the Lord rather than before men. While the word, quote, Catholic, unquote, came into usage slowly, it did very early mark the life of the church. Catholicity means not only universal, but also universal jurisdiction because the head of the church is Jesus Christ, who is, quote, the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, unquote. 1 Timothy six fifteen. The church is Catholic or universal because our king has universal jurisdiction. It was this fact that made the declaration, quote, Jesus Christ is Lord, unquote. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. The baptismal confession of the early church. We must not forget that Rome, the empire, saw herself as, quote, eternal Rome, unquote. And thus, as universal Rome, its required confession of allegiance was, quote, Caesar is Lord, unquote. And the obvious implication was that Caesar was the Catholic or universal Lord. The result was conflict, two powers, Caesar and his empire, and Christ and his church, both claim Catholicity. Rome fought Christianity as she did no other religion. Herbert B. Workman, in Persecution in the Early Church, 1906, stated the issue, quote, The Christians were not persecuted because of their creed, but because of their universal claims, unquote. Their offense was, quote, This universality of claim, this aggressiveness of temper, this consciousness from the first of worldwide dominion, in a word, all that in latter days was summed up in the title of Catholic, unquote. It is a sad fact that for many who call themselves, quote, Catholics, unquote, the word is a name, not a fact, and that for many Protestants the word is something they are against, not something that describes the church, something saints died for. 
When Callistus, in violation of Roman law, said that freed slaves could marry noble women, it was a radical step. Rome had all kinds of legal lines of separation. There was no equal standing before the law. A Roman citizen was a privileged person, a member of the ruling class. In the 3rd century, however, by an edict of Caracalla, all free inhabitants of the Roman Empire were given the status of citizens. At the same time, efforts were soon made to compel all inhabitants to observe the old Roman religion as the one universal or Catholic faith. They could hold their personal religion on a local, private basis. The public faith had to be that of Rome, the imperial cult. This was the required and, quote, Catholic, unquote, faith. The result was more Christian mortars. The Catholicity of the church had been an offense to Rome, and as a result, the Roman Empire developed, reasserted, and increased its own claim to Catholicity. Catholic Rome and Catholic Church battled for supremacy and universality. All this is very important for us to know. If we forget their meaning, forgotten past victories become present defeats. Because Rome insisted that the empire alone was Catholic or universal in its jurisdiction, all religions had to be local, limited, and personal, not public and Catholic. All other religions were agreeable to such a place. Christianity alone insisted on the universal jurisdiction of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the Church as Christ's Catholic voice on earth. Today we face a similar battle. The modern state sees itself as Catholic, an example, universal. Within its borders, it asserts total power and jurisdiction. It sees freedom in any sphere as a state grant, not as a God-given immunity. As a result, the state, its legislatures, and its courts increasingly seek to extend the powers of the state as the logic of Catholicity. To this, all too many churchmen have agreed. We have the immoral horror of many church leaders who claim to believe the Bible from cover to cover, insisting they cannot take a stand against abortion or homosexuality, for example, because it would be the, quote, social gospel, unquote, to do so. For them, Christianity's only concern is saving souls. This would reduce Christianity to the status of Rome's mystery religions, an example to paganism and to a denial of Christ's Catholicity of power and jurisdiction. Antinomianism, too, is a denial of Catholicity. God's law is his plan of government for every sphere of life. It is the expression of God's dominion as creator and Lord or sovereign, and it is his plan for covenant man to exercise dominion. To live under a foreign law is to be a slave, however comfortable the slavery. The laws of the nations are today humanistic laws. They are motivated by an anti-Christian faith and purpose. The society they envision and educate for is one aiming to destroy Christianity totally. Antinomianism surrenders Christ's lordship or sovereignty to the state and is the expression of a people who are in captivity and love it. We must remember that it was the best Roman emperors who were usually the worst persecutors. As Workman pointed out, the more faithfully Roman they were, 
the more zealously they persecuted the church to preserve Rome's exclusive and total jurisdiction. Today also a, quote, good, unquote, humanist civil ruler is often a major problem to the church because the rigors of status claims over the church increase. Thus, to vote for a, quote, good, unquote, humanist can mean voting in a man more dedicated than most in the idea of a Catholic state. When the word, quote, Catholic, unquote, was first used by the early church, it was to designate the church as Christ's body, open to all mankind, in order to distinguish the church from the Jewish congregations. Both originally called themselves synagogues or assemblies. The Christian synagogue was the one summoning all mankind to Christ without the necessity of becoming Jews first. One of the earliest uses of the word is by St. Ignatius in, quote, the epistle to the Smyrnians, unquote, chapter 8, who said, quote, wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church, unquote. The word, quote, Catholic, unquote, was also used by Polycarp, according to Eusebius, Church History, Volume 4, 15. In its earliest usage, the word, quote, Catholic, unquote, meant first, more than Jewish. Many churchmen were Jews, but the church was inclusive of all peoples. Second, as problems developed in the church, the word early came to mean, quote, orthodox, unquote as against, quote, heretical, unquote. The Catholic faith, while still persecuted, had to defend itself against a variety of false and anti-Christian doctrines which had been brought in by various peoples. Both of these meanings were accurate. Their true church was more than Jewish, and it was orthodox, not heretical. These were, however, subordinate meanings. Catholic means universality of scope and of jurisdiction. To proclaim the Catholic faith thus meant and means to set forth, quote, the crown rights of Christ the King, unquote, over every area of life and thought. Indeed, quote, the crown rights of Christ the King, unquote, was a Puritan battle cry in Cromwell's day. One of the texts most used to set forth the church's Catholicity has been Hebrews twelve, twenty-two through 24, quote, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel." Unquote. This tells us first that the covenant has been renewed. In Jesus Christ, we are again at Mount Zion, and there the old covenant is made with a new people, now God's new Israel and chosen ones. Second, this realm is also, quote, the city of the living God, unquote. Quote, city, unquote, here means kingdom or realm, as the city of Rome. St. Augustine, in writing on the city of God in this sense, meant the kingdom of God. Third, this realm is also, quote, the heavenly Jerusalem, unquote, so that it is more than natural. It is supernatural kingdom, which is inclusive of all God's creation, natural and supernatural. Fourth, this supernatural aspect and power of Christ's Catholic or universal 
jurisdiction includes, quote, an innumerable company of angels, unquote, who are with us fellow subjects and citizens of Christ's kingdom. Fifth, this kingdom has the church as part of its jurisdiction, quote, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, unquote. Christ is the firstborn, and as members of his body, we are in union with the great company of heavenly powers that are part of his realm. Sixth, these are all, ourselves included, quote, written in heaven, unquote, because our membership in Christ is not our doing, but God's grace through Jesus Christ. Seventh, because this Catholic realm is total in its jurisdiction over all things in heaven and in earth, God is, quote, the judge of all, unquote. All things and all peoples are accountable to him because God's power and jurisdiction are Catholic and total. Eighth, this kingdom includes, quote, the spirits of just men made perfect, unquote. An example, those saints who have died and are now with their Lord. Ninth, supremely, it includes our Savior and Mediator, through whose atoning blood we have been made members of this Catholic or universal kingdom or empire. The modern state is a false Messiah, a false Savior. Its only legitimate place is under Christ. Together with the church, family, school, our vocations, the arts and sciences, and all things else, the claims of the state to universal jurisdiction, to Catholicity, are a lie. Do you believe and serve that lie? Or is Christ your Lord? September 1985. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushby. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his pain, the very price. It was there.
of his wrath. Tell the world of his love. Tell the world how Jesus Christ has set you free. Set you free.